the comic book pit. Okay. episode of the comic book pit podcast this is episode 360 i'm dan and with me tonight we've got scott what's up and and jared hello and uh at the comic book pit every week we read comics and watch some stuff uh usually but not always comic related here's a just a brief spoiler warning we are a review show so we take care not to give too much away about the books we read, but sometimes it happens. So that's your warning. Um, <laughs> we've been, your own risk. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so how's everyone been doing? What you've been reading? The, what you've been watching? In the new normal? Yes. Yeah. The, the new normal where we are never in the same room. <laughs> Not yeah. Your normal. Yeah. <laughs> Is he watching? Watching. Um. My wife and I are watching Six Feet Under. Oh. So, and then during the day, whilst working, I watch Dark Shadows. So, really, current programming. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. We just started. Uh, I. My wife and I started watching uh, Justified this week. Oh, I've seen at least three times. She's never seen it, but Did it's you guys never watched so it. good. It's so good that I'm I'm watching it from the beginning and I love Did it. Did you record a uh, pilot episode for that? No, because I feel like the first episode is without reproach. Yeah, there's nothing. There's I mean, not not that you can't not that you can't review a good episode of something, but it's much more fun to rev- to review something when it's crappy. Mm. Mm. Um, just just the uh, the trivia for that episode though is that it was filmed here in Pennsylvania. Was, it was it? actually yeah, yeah. It was actually filmed up uh, well, some in Cannonsburg area, like down that way, and then also up in um, uh, I forget that town, but up above New Kensington, up in Catani. Uh, in Catanning. Oh, oh my! Really? Yeah that that courthouse shot where they're crossing the bridge in the intro. Yeah, that's that that's the courthouse. No kidding. Yeah, and you can almost see it from the highway, but it, but yeah they they framed it. Yeah, the whole show was shot here in the area, and then they pilot. the pilot was, and then they moved everything south, like to another state up here west. Yeah. According to uh, the internet, oh, uh, Los Angeles. In Pittsburgh for the pilot. Yeah, there you go. Because no um, much That's like crazy. The, much like the Dukes of Hazard, you know that you know Atlanta, Georgia looks exactly like you know <laughs> California. So mm. yeah, <laughs> that was really that cool. was funny. Oh, there's sand dunes in in Atlanta. That's weird. <laughs> but yeah, learn something new and yeah. relevant to our program. There you go. A little crossover to the pod- yeah. podcast pi- piloting. Yeah, there you I, go. I got the name wrong. Oh, the, the pilot season podcast. Pilot season, yeah. Yeah. In case someone you're wondering out there, that's a, another podcast that, that my wife and I do occasionally. It's called the Pilot Season Podcast, and we review just pilot episodes of TV shows. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're probably going to record one within the next couple of weeks we've got one picked out so nice okay yeah it was a, I'll, I'll i won't say what it is because actually i've never heard of this show before but it, apparently this was years before buffy the vampire slayer uh oh. sarah, sarah michelle geller starred in a teenage daytime soap opera <laughs> oh yeah jared is running to the internet right now am it, it only it only went one season 
maybe like two or three dozen episodes. Uh, I'm guessing. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, it was like a like a half hour teenage uh, soap opera. Oh, okay. Oh, it's called it was called Swan's Crossing. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, except it is what it is. That Swan, is, what it is. Where do you even? Oh, it's on Tubi. Oh, I love Tubi. Well, sometimes you gotta you you, you gotta sweeten the pot, but sometimes you also just gotta give them give them yeah. some. You know, like so. Come over Aired to the thirteen weeks the pilot pilot season. But in that thirteen weeks, they did a whopping sixty-five episodes. It's not bad. That's a lot. Like a, that's like a cartoons uh, schedule. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're saying this was a five day a week show? I'm guessing it was. I think it was well, on. In, by, yeah, yeah, 65, 13. Yeah, I think it was on in the afternoons, like a regular yeah. soap opera. So yeah, so if you're interested, and you can uh, you can watch that and find us on the uh, on the interwebs and listen watch to our cross compare it to Sweet Valley High. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Jared, since you were talking about uh, your, you know, you, I know you were joking. You were talking about your your new, you know, new television that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I discovered. Uh, d- did you guys know that there's a, such a thing as IM IMDb TV? I'd heard of it, but I've never indulged. I've I've only been able to find it, and I'm I guess this is maybe you can find it other on other streaming services, but I found it on the our Amazon prime app or channel, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's uh, like movies and TV shows on there, but uh, I think they all have ads, which I don't normally care about. Um, I found the old uh, Spencer for hire oh, wow. on there. <laughs> and man, Dude, I, that's such, a, that's such a good show. Nice. That's a, that, that's that, for hire. That's man. some great, early eighties private investigator yeah. show. And, and it's really, it's really cool as I, you know, to, to keep the authenticity, like I, I'm pretty sure the entire show is filmed in and around Boston. Cause that's where the characters from. That's where all oh, the stories, the stories yeah. take place in Boston. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got Robert Ulrich as Spencer and, uh, Avery Brooks as Hawk. Oh man. Oh man. He was so great. Yeah. yeah. There was, uh, Earlier this year on Netflix, there was a Marky Mark movie yeah. based on Spencer. Yeah, uh, it Spencer. was an enjoyable picture. Now I don't know. Yeah, I think it was just called Spencer. Spencer Confidential or something, or perhaps, Ooh. perhaps. Yeah, I, I don't really recall. But I actually wanted to watch it because it looked like it was just goofy fun. It it um, I didn't realize it was Spencer for Hire at first. Mm-hmm. I think midway through, I'm like, is this Spencer for Hire? Um, it it's it is what it is. I mean, it, it's what you expect. It's a it's a Marky Mark movie, so. <laughs> and uh, flared nostrils and Boston accents. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, but the guy that plays Hawk was all I forget his character's name, but he was in Black Panther, right? Yes. He yes. Black, he was. Uh, he was uh, that, the other guy. Charles, like boyhood friend. The gorilla guy, I think. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he was. He was oh, leader of the, of the gorilla yeah. clan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. It, it wasn't terrible. It, it was, it was a good, um, like just pop entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's not Shakespeare in the Park, but you know, it, it was. It, there's worse ways to spend two hours. Yeah. Well, we don't even get Shakespeare in the Park anymore. We get we get Shakespeare in the Park social distanced. Yeah. <laughs> You get virtual Shakespeare in the park. Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have to do a lot of uh, conference calls, Zoom calls with your with your uh, employers? How is the etiquette? <laughs> people know fine. when to use mute. People know mostly, yeah, uh, you know. But some people also like like to use their animals, you know. They're like, oh, is that a dog barking? And then they're like, yeah, check it out. And then they, you know, or a cat jumps in the camera and everybody's like, all right, everybody stop the meeting. Headsets? Yeah. (laughs) People use headsets? Because you can tell there's people that never podcasted. (laughs) You hear hear people just pounding on their keyboards. Mm -hmm. You hear yourself coming through their mic. Like, what's all that stuff? Like, I don't know. I don't hear it. It's because you're not wearing a headset. 
I mean, I, as I, I hear myself talking because you can't put a headset on. I hear you pounding your keyboard. I, I, it sounds like horses are running through my head when I'm trying to talk here. I'm not. I'm not going to name any names here, and I and I'd appreciate. You know, if you don't, if you guys don't either. But um, yeah, I may have gone into the restroom with one of my coworkers um, <laughs> during a conversation we were having, and I'm not naming names, but I am saying that uh, we did collaborate on one comic book project at one time. <laughs> I I heard one of our managers ask gas. Because he doesn't know how to use mute. <laughs> he, he pretty much was like, uh, this can't wait. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I, mute uh, did not have to wait. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, we're going to keep this conversation real short. <laughs> uh, we, have a, we have a weekly conference call, and it's I, I dread them. I, I, I pretty much... I unmute it to say, you know, to basically say I'm here and then I mute it. And then I just listen to everyone talk over each other for about 20 or 30 minutes. And then that's the end of it. <laughs> kind of got to treat it like a walkie talkie push yeah. the talk, you know? Oh, yeah. Over. Yeah. We, you, because of our <laughs> current project, we pretty much have like an all day long open call. Oh, oh Okay. So that's why you just hear people just actually, it, um, set the been, dog off. <laughs> I've actually been been working with one of the owners of my company, like direct on a project, and um, I gotta find we, my mute. I'm sorry, Dexter. Speaking of, no, but we've, we've had <laughs> we've had you know five hour phone calls, you know, while wow. we're working on a project that we actually just gave up on Zoom and stuff. He's like. He's like, I'm just going to call you on my cell phone. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So, like, we don't have to look at each, each other. We just put the phones on speaker, and it actually saves our battery and saves, you know, the hassle. And, you know, and then we're, you know, and then we share screens, but we don't share video, you know, like, which mm-hmm. is actually kind of cool. So. Yeah, that's probably the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, enough about that. Yeah, and note to self, if there's a dog in your house, do not tap rapidly on any objects because he is now convinced someone is trying to break into the house. <laughs> well, my my dog must hear your dog because I can hear him downstairs barking at something. <laughs> and as much as I'm like, it was me, he just keeps like looking at me and looking at the door and barking. He's like, He's like what no, are you getting at? There's yeah. imminent danger here. <laughs> It's going to have to be like that episode of MASH where that lady has to uh, smother her baby. Oh, oh no, that, that's, wow. that was, wow. That was, that was like one of the, wow. dark, well, it was the final episode. That was one of the darkest ones. Was that the final? I couldn't remember if it was final. Imagine being yeah. a kid. I'm like, hey, good old goofy MASH. And then a lady I was like, what the hell is this episode of MASH? Well, you know, like I, I love MASH. And, and when I, you know, started subscribing to streaming services all over the place, like, one of the first things I looked for was MASH and it, they had it on Hulu or I forget new Hulu or Netflix. I forget what doesn't matter, but I, I started watching from the beginning and I loved it and it was great. And then it got like the last, maybe the last two seasons or the last three seasons, like basically eliminated the laugh track. Oh, and it was yeah. really weird. Yeah. Like the jokes were not like, were not landing. They were not fun. They were not as funny without the laugh track because you're just conditioned to that laugh track. And not only that, but like it was a different style of writing. It's like, I mean, you, you watch a show today, like the office or parks and rec, like a show, like so many shows now there is no laugh track, you know, like so many yeah. sitcoms, but back in the day in the seventies, like a laugh yeah, track live, was live studio audience. Yeah. Live studio open. audience or a laugh track. Or I mean, laugh like, track yeah. yeah. Actually, it wasn't in front of a live studio audience. No. Right. <laughs> but actually, the, was a single camera. I mean, that, as far as sitcoms go, it was that, I'd imagine I'm talking out my ass here. It probably is one of the first single camera sitcoms. Yeah, probably. I mean, it could have been. Yeah. But, uh, oh, well, but anyways, yeah, that, that just got me like, I really took us down. Yeah, I'm talking about like mother and babies. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, great episode though. Great, great. Probably one of the 
one of the finest final episodes of any TV show in television history. Very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Mash got heavy, it got heavy. Like yes. As a kid, it totally threw me for a loop. It was, just, yeah, it was like, this is not, it was not what I was expecting. Yeah, it really, yeah. How do you pivot the clinger in a dress? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, that was, you know, I mean, everything changed after a while. Like, Klinger stopped wearing dresses. He, uh, he was promoted, I think, to sergeant. And then, like, and I think in the, again in the finale, I think he got married to like a Korean, and uh, which led into okay, who remembers after Mash? Oh yeah, I know it was a thing. I yeah. I think I I mean I was a kid. I I remember it. I I, but like. The, the conceit was that uh, Colonel Potter, Father Mulcahy, and Klinger, like after the war, all ended up working in the same hospital. I th- uh. and so that's how they kept it going. Is Jamie uh, Moore still alive? I think he is. Has he been at Steel City Cons? <laughs> that's why I think he's still alive. <laughs> I think one of the I think last year or two years ago it was like. It was Jamie Farr and um, Loretta Swit who played oh, Hot Lips Hands. Yep. Oh, yeah. I think they were appearing at the same show, and that you could do like a match, oh, yeah. like package. Jamie Farr is 80, 86 years old. And I'm pretty sure that the the guy that plays Winchester is still bopping around. David Steers. Yeah, he's still. I don't know if he's still acting, but I mean, I like think how you said that like we didn't all didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, he died in 2018. Oh shoot. That's a bummer. Do you know he played Martian Manhunter? Oh, wow. And that, um, that justice league, uh, pilot that you could only find at, um, like, uh, it was Con. yeah, you can only find, uh, yeah. From the vendors. Yeah. Uh, Boot coffees legs. or bootlegs at, uh, on, yeah, at, at he, he was Martian Manhunter. Wasn't he also the clock in Beauty and the Beast? I think you're right. I know. Well, Jerry, Jerry Arbuck was the candle. <laughs> and um, Angela Lansbury was the teapot, right? Yes. Yes, he was. And that's a lot like comics. <laughs> that's our show in a nutshell <laughs> and then we gracefully pivot to comics <laughs> hey remember when Mouse killed a baby well at any rate <laughs> yeah <laughs> yikes oh man good times um, hey I want to talk about uh, Savage Dragon 250 real quick oh yes. yeah yes. Because um, not to unpack there. Yeah, well, I've been waiting. <laughs> I don't read it. This is the only way I get to know what's going on. So. <laughs> dramatic reading from Dan and Jared. That's right. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't read it either. I I check in maybe once or twice a year because we get the you know we're we're fortunate enough to get review copies from Image. So thank you very much to uh, Image for, for providing those. So. Um, I like to check in because I think it's still, it, it's the only original image title, like from the original founders that's going from with the actual founder of that book, the Eric Larson. So um, a big, uh, big props to Eric Larson. I mean, first of all, 250 issues is no small feat. So congratulations to him. And uh, you know, it's Savage Dragon is not a book that I will ever read with any consistency because it's just not my kind of, not my kind of book, but I give my, I have a lot of respect for him because that's, that's quite an accomplishment. I, on the other hand, um, as soon as they, every month when they send it to us, it, I beeline right to it. <laughs> Cause I forget, you know, we we get these books for a long time now. And so it was out there for a long time. And I forget, I think this one month, I finally perused it and I was like, well, we, you know, I always kind of look at it as like, well, we do have an obligation. They're sending it to us. I do feel that responsibility to, to try and read this stuff. 
And I forget what made me check it out. I think it just was the nostalgia factor. Because I had like the trade of that first four-issue miniseries from back in the day. Like, I had all the first image books like, except Savage Dragons. And so I ended up getting like the trade of those first four. So and I always liked Eric Larson and Spider-Man back in the day. So like, I, I had that affinity from the early 90s for it. So I, out of curiosity, I checked it out. Um, it's... It's unique. It is unique. That's what I'm gonna say. It's unique. Um, it's very much. It's it, it it's turned into. And so that oh, let me like put before I go. If I was say this, and then back when we could go to comic book shows, I would go through back issue bins, and if I could find like old Savage Dragons for like a dollar or less or whatever, I'd pick them up. So I got like a little collection, which I think you referenced last time we spoke, Scott. Yeah. It's not like a massive. It, it's right. It's building, but it's not that big, and it's it's just random ones. Um, oddly enough, I think it was going to get dicier the further into the series I go, because the print runs are going to drop. And so, oh yeah, like it's weird. Like number ones, you can insulate your house with. Number <laughs> like one seventy five, that's where you're going to have to drop some ducats. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all that said, it's. It was always kind of like had a bit of a TNA to it, but now it is like Skinamax. It's yeah, it's 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 practically <laughs> porn. But two fifty was like a, did did have a little more TNA MP than it had before. <laughs> there, was, there was like an era like when I I forget the two. What I think I've been checking it out for the last like twenty five issues or so in our long in our. Um, the preview images we get sent, and some of those early ones, it was like, wow, this is like an anatomy lesson. <laughs> and like, here's all the bits. You know, like I said, <laughs> PAMP. Um, and then it kind of it wasn't like that way for a while. And 250 was kind of more like a little more TAP action. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the thing that's interesting uh, is that you know Larson does the book in real time. So in this 250th episode, um, the dragon who is the original dragon's son, right? Malcolm. Yes. Malcolm dragon is quarantining at home with his wife. And what do they have? Like four kids. They all look like little mini dragons. Yeah. And so it's, it's essentially like you know, like a chronicle of their time in quarantine. And a lot of it, a lot of it is, you know, dragon banging his wife because apparently his wife is insatiable. Wife is a maniac. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's, no, 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 like that's, I'm not saying that, but what, what, no, like it, it's part of her. Uh, oh, it's, it's documented. It's her. Okay. Okay. Which, which is fine. That's uh, if, if that's part of the character, the, the thing that just this was the the panel that that totally made me go like double take. Yeah. I think. Do you know the panel I'm talking about? I'm pretty sure I do. So there's the the, the dragons laying on the bed and his wife is standing there and you just it, the camera is shot is the the angle of the camera is between her legs like a silhouette of her legs with she is literally dripping with excitement. Oh yeah, yeah, like there's this long. It's almost like like this viscous something, like this long, like like an alien, like slime, like this long drip. And I'm like, oh my god, that is just disgusting. See now, Dan's clutching his pearls. Well, I'm not a prude. That's just like it's another day at the the day at the office at Savage Dragons. It's just gross. Like it just, yeah. I'm just grown used to it. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. I guess I'm. I'm not. Uh, my 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 skin isn't as thick from you know because I don't read it enough. But uh, I well, I, and I think the thing that doesn't help is, and I get that this is an artistic choice and that's fine. But you know that the wife is an adult, but she's a small Asian woman, and she wears braces, so. And and she's not she's very slender, 
she doesn't have much of she you know she's unlike flat, Scott, that's what you're saying she's flat. Yeah. So like like she's very opposite of the the buxom female characters that Eric Larson normally draws. Okay. She looks like a twelve year old. Yeah. And it's really off putting. I'm like yeah. I I know he's I know that this character is not sleeping with an Asian child. But hold on, let me come in a frame. Oh right. Can you see it there, um, Scott? Yeah, that's. Uh yeah, that's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Oh yeah, there it is. Oh, geez. It looks like so, a, was that an uvula, and then someone's throwing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So, anyways, it, it was just just a few, just some some artistic and story and choices like, that really. He's like threw instead me. of instead of having some male, you know, hanging fruit there, he's like, what if I reverse it and have like some female, you know? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Focus. There's your male hanging fruit. It's in shadow. It's like taste. Oh, oh yeah. You, oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. 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 It, it's not a lot of swinging dicks in the Savage Dragon. You would think <laughs> fair is fair. Yeah. But, and, and you know, and you're right. Fair is fair. And I, you know, throw, throw more dong in. I don't care. It's very, but, this book is very much Eric Larson chasing whimsy. It's just like, yeah. Boobs and butts and, and mm-hmm. vaginas and monsters and gore. Lots of gore. Yeah. Lots Particularly of violence. in this issue. Yeah. This issue is just like the greatest hits. Yeah. I was like, I mean, it, it, to the point where the, the kids get involved because a, a group of uh, villains attack the dragon in his apartment. And uh, right after that scene, we just dissected. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they, when they were just getting ready to have sex is when the, uh, the villains bust in and the kids actually get involved. And I guess they're all pretty powerful. Like they're all very strong. Like one of them literally, tears one of the villains in half or something. Well, one like punches a guy in the face and like explodes his head. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of them, I mean, I, the, the kid's fine. That dude's head in half. Yeah. It's like a big monster. It looks, looks kind of like the, the, the Demogorgon from, uh, oh, yeah. It's yeah. Just like a big, like vertical yeah, his, mouth thingy. Yeah. He's like, he's literally has a mouth for a head. Yeah. Um, and one of the kids gets very badly burned, but I guess they're, they have like a, a, a healing situation heal. like, yes. like, like the dad and I, um, and the, the, the reveal at the end or the, the, the final twist in the story is on the very last page. Um, the original dragon shows up. Oh, like OG dragon with the funky fin. Yeah. Like he's kind of have, he has like a flat rounded fin. Like he was drawn way back, like in Megaton too. Yeah. I was going to say that was, that was the, the, the megaton looking dragon. Isn't he so. dead though? Yes. Yeah. 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 The savage dragon. And that was in one of the first issues I started reading like two years ago. Um, I don't fully know what happened to dragon. Like he, some things, I think he died. Then he came back and then he died again, like exploded. And then they showed him going to heaven and there was like all these naked chicks around and that was, <laughs> and that was it. But now at the end, of, that was the, it was the reveal at the end of this episode is that like that OG looking dragon came comes back, which is how you end an anniversary mm-hmm. issue. And then um, there was a, a ton of uh, backup material, most of which I just skimmed over. Same. Um, didn't really, I didn't really feel like getting into it. It looked, some of it was interesting. Some of it was not. So I was really just there for the, for the dragon and all, all, all their anatomy. Yeah. The yeah. dripping bees. <laughs> so, uh, but again, you know, Hey, big, you know, congratulations to Eric Larson. I mean, I hope he does another 250 issues. I mean, it's not, it's not my thing, but I'm, I'm all for a, I mean, a creator doing his thing, you know, continue to hatch ideas that many times. It's, it's, that's quite a track record. So. Yeah, well, and not only the the writing, but the art. I mean, he the, the, he's been doing the art since day one. So yeah, that that's really the achievement is that it's 250 issues by the same, yeah, same, same single. Well, I don't want to say same singular creator, but it's not like he colors and letters. No, he's still uh, yeah, he he has a team. But if but you look he, at McFarlane, I think McFarlane McFarlane just writes his. He, I don't think he wrote them all, did he? he, he I don't think so either. Back now, he stepped away for a while. Yeah. 
So I mean, yeah. I mean, so there's a whole bunch of asterisks on Spawn, and then what? Serapis is the 300 with Dave Sim and Gerhard. Yeah. Doing so I mean, it's all of these things sort of need to be qualified when you start mm-hmm. talking yeah. about. Them. Right. Yeah. But I would say if anybody is closest to the crown, let's just say Serapis is the crown, then Eric mm-hmm. Larson is. He's and close. McFarland's yeah. a carpetbagger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, he didn't do it all himself. So, <laughs> uh, Scott, Ooh. you want to go next? Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, not falling far from the tree of uh, you know blood splatter and um, you know odd characters. You know, we got Robert Kirkman uh, with his latest book, Negan Lives. So. Um, but all, all the things that you just said about, um, I, I'll just add for Savage Dragon, like all the things you said about like people getting ripped in half or getting exploded is why I quit reading Invincible, which was Kirkman's other, and it seemed like Kirk, that, that Invincible may be the most similar in tone to Savage Dragon, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of cool. Here's another fun fact. Um, they're actually launching it as an animated series. Yeah, yeah, we um, I think we we mentioned on that on the show last week, and it's got a great it's got a great cast. I'm really yeah, excited. I, yeah, I was actually yeah, I was like the voice actors. I'm like, all right, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm also excited because I have the first sixty issues of Invincible. Nice, you know, which uh, yeah, which uh, I'll be happy to part with at some point. <laughs> um, you know when the show hits hits its highs, um, but I but you know me and Walking Dead, you know I'm all I'm all in. I've, I've I was in that book from day one, and I stayed all the way through. And Kirkman and Charlie Adler came back and they did a one shot book called Negan Lives because they basically had left Negan, you know, in a solitary um, existence. And this is just sort of like put the cap on that. Like, you know, here's what it's been up to. Um, and it's it's not it's 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 good. Like it's good in the way that uh, Kirkman is so good at. Like he just he writes a little bit. You turn the page. You're like, oh, I kind of like this. Turn the page. Next thing you know, you're halfway through the book, and you're like, wait a minute, I like he just sucked me right in. You know, like it's such a such a funny thing, um, the way he writes um, this stuff. And, you know, he starts out with, like, you know, Vulgar Negan, you know, right off the bat, and kind of, and then kind of gets more into his solitary and how he's kind of depressed now and alone. And, um, you know, and then it goes from there. And um, he, and, it, and he also kind of leaves it on a, on an, I don't want to spoil it. I know Dan, you said you want to read it, but um, but it also kind of goes on an upswing at the end. Like he he leaves it open that there could be more. He's like hmm. he's like, hey, you know, we could, you know, he writes in the back like Kirkman's like, yeah, we could do more of this if we wanted to, but I he goes, I also think I left it in a place where you know you can fill in the gap and kind of figure out this is what he this is what he did. You know, with his time, um, so it was, it was good. It was really enjoyable. Um, there's a little. There's also another little fun fact in the back of the book um, that Kirkman had revealed that uh, he was actually planning to kill Negan in one of the issues of Walking Dead, and Charlie Adler had actually talked him out of it. Of all, hmm. he sent the script over of um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Maggie. Uh, the issue, it, it's one of the later issues, but Maggie went out and found him where he's in his solitary existence, and she pulled a gun on him, and the original script was that she just shot him and killed him. And um, Charlie Edler took, took offense to that. He wrote a long letter back to Kirkman and was like, I don't think you're doing the character justice, you know, that you would just, you know, he's like, there's not enough, um, you know, horrible characters that, that get to live, you know, and get to live with what they've done. 
and regret it. You know, he's like, you're not, you know, so many characters in modern uh, storytelling, they just, they're the bad guy and they just get killed off. You know, yeah. but here's, here's a character that has to live with his sins. And, and all that compelled Kirkman. He's like, you're right. He's like, I'm going to rewrite it. And he rewrote it so that Maggie didn't kill him. And I was like, hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was actually in the letter page. <laughs> you know, that was like in his little letter to the fans. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's as much fun to read as the book itself. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I think if you, I think for a, a one shot, you know, a fun little visit, you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like how Breaking Bad did, uh, the El Camino or whatever that, yeah, oh, yeah. Camino, the movie, yeah. And it's just a little bit of a, you know, a sign off. That's kind of what this is. It's like a, it's Negan's sign off, you know, it was kind of the one thing they left undone in the book. And they're like, here it is. Here's, here's his story, you know, to write him off. So I liked it. I, I think if anybody likes, yeah, even somebody that doesn't really like, uh, you know, walking dead, they might enjoy this for, um, if they like, you know, uh, wilderness survival characters, you know, <laughs> um, you know like, uh, I don't know. Well, the, going to Alaska and survive. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and and the the cool thing about this book, this is the one that that Kirkman put out uh, free. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it cost it, it cost him to produce it, but he but he sent it to retailers free of charge. Oh, okay. And you know, to help them uh, during the the COVID crisis. That's right, because it does say uh, that it was supposed to be like a comeback to retail or something promotion mm -hmm. because they thought we were going to be done with the COVID uh, pandemic by then. Yeah. Because, because it was only available in print. To my knowledge, this is not available as a digital comic. Oh, okay. You could only, that's the thing. Like they, they, they want you to buy it from a retailer. So the retailers make the money. Okay. You know, so that was kind of a cool thing that that Kirkman did. Yeah. So yeah, if you can, cool yeah. So if you can make your way to a comic book store and find it, then you, you know you'll 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 really be helping out. You know, the, the retailers will put that in their pocket. So that's you know that's good. Yeah. That's cool. I did not. I didn't know that they didn't actually have to pay for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Um, see, Jared, you had you had um something I, you wanted. I did have a book. I read uh, Cancor by Matthew Allison from Ad House Books. It's a very difficult to describe book. Um, from the back here, you know, it has a little like genre, like oh yeah. Things. Superhero, sci-fi, horror. Huh. So that that's the mix here, and it's very, it's a very almost meta at times piece. Like there's two like narratives here. One, it's in black and white, and it follows like this uh, artist type character on a night out to a bar to see a show, and then it cuts to these um, unique looking characters that are kind of like superheroes some of them are based clearly off ones you recognize a little little batman looking character there oh yeah tell. later on there's like a uh wolverine type character who like when he introduces himself he says some it's not i'm the best there is at what i do but it's it's clear what he's talking about um oh because then when he pot he has claws and they pop with the Snip. So, um, and it follows this one character as it goes on a journey. Again, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you like what it's about, and that's not an indictment of the story. It's just this very unique and beautifully drawn piece of this character, like on a journey, and just the the other characters that he encounters 
along his way. And it's just, it's really cool. You know, it's, it's and I, I had bought and I had bought, um, it was like self published and I had the, got the first issue like a year or two ago, like online from the guy. Yeah, I think I remember you talking about it on on, on yeah. the show. Yeah, talked so about I think that issue. Talked about the first issue. So that this is the entire mini series. It may have been like four of those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Wolverine characters. I'm great at everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, this spread here I'll show for you guys. Kind of best that displays what. So you see that. Oh yeah. And just how beautifully rendered it is and mm-hmm. completely unique in its art style. Yeah. And then, like the color palette is just really well selected and the, the print job is amazing. And then like I come over to this other page and that's the, uh, like I said, the artist uh, character, which is, he feels a little auto bio in ways. And that though his parts are in black and white. And just the, the unique look. I mean, the character's got no eyes or noses or anything. They're just so ugly looking mm-hmm. and stuff. And I mean, like the guys are like forearms and whatnot. Yeah. And then very... actually there is some cross. Yeah. It. What's the, what adjective were you going to use? I would say it's very visceral, like very. That, that's a very good word for it. Yeah. Like there's this page here where it's kind of like an organic like spaceship. It just comes yeah. Wow. How detailed that is and everything. Um. Even the smell of the book, like it smells good. Like it just, <laughs> the whole experience reading this book was top notch. I guess my only complaint is that like the glue must have been a little fresh on the binding because as soon as I opened it, it cracked a little bit. I don't know if you. That's oh cool. yeah, that's. So a if I read this too much, I'm probably gonna have to get a new one because I'm gonna read it to pieces. Yeah. But just the art is is stunning to look at. The coloring is beautiful. It's just a weird, quirky story. And, you know, we're talking about Eric Larson and Chase and Whimsy. Like, this thing, too, is just an artist just telling, you know, drawing what he wants to draw. It, it looks like there's a lot of fun being had in creating the thing. It feels like there's a lot, of, you know. So when you read it, it's a very interesting uh, piece to look at and to read and to take in. Again, if I tried to explain the story, I could, I'd get lost. I talk myself in circles. <laughs> but uh, it, it it was just really cool and just a little something different. Cool. Yeah, it's, it looks really interesting. I think I'd like to yeah that out. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And this is like I said, Ad House uh, put together the collected edition. It's funny. There's like a little like afterward, and the artist is like, uh, "Please be aware that while I took great pains in presenting a factual document of the time in my life depicted in this book, there are a few sections where I felt it would be better serve the story to change minor details." Now I showed you the book and how off the wall it looks, and then when he highlights them, they're like, um, uh, "There's a scene in which I walk, walk past a woman on the street who calls me cowboy." as my make my way home from a bar. And I showed you that page uh, while a woman like that existed. She did not live near me at the time. I placed this comic. Like those are the things like just that humor there. Yeah. Like, like cool. a, like a, like a weird disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Like I drew myself with no eyes, no nose and four arms. But what really didn't happen was like, this woman wasn't here at that time. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. I just thought was really, that's great. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Small touches like that really kind of enhance the whole experience. Yeah, and uh, dude's on Instagram, and and you can check out his artwork there. And he does like commissions of like Marvel Comics characters and DC stuff too. So you can see those uh, familiar characters in his unique style. Just fun to look at too. Well, uh, what was his name again? Matthew Allison. Okay. And I think on Instagram it's like Canker Guy or something like that. Let me. I have to look him up. Anchor was uh, Masters of the Universe character. Stinkor. Yeah, Stinkor, Anchor. Anchor, C-A-N-K-O-R-R on Instagram. Cool. I think there's a uh, Wolverine versus the Reavers. Let me the focus. 
Yeah, it's not coming into focus. Uh, yeah. oh, okay, nope. yep. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Yep, I found him. Okay. Cool. Um oh, look at the oh, one real quick, dude. Oh yeah. Oh nice. Uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> um I'll send it to you. I'm always a little uh hesitant when it comes to uh, licensed properties or um, books based on TV shows, movies, etc. Especially when it comes to uh, Star Trek comics, because I'm very, uh, very protective of Star Trek. Probably the way, like Scott, you would probably be, you know, of a of a Star Wars book. You know, you're very as much as I can now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but 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 you're very. It's almost like you're you're hyper aware. Oh yeah. Like like you really want them to get the. Th- you know, it's like okay, I don't want you to do this, but if you're gonna do it, I want you to get it right. Right. So, um, a new Star Trek Deep Space Nine comic came out, and um, if you don't know, Deep Space Nine is my all-time favorite Star Trek series. I've probably watched it the whole thing from beginning to end five or six times. Um, and, and the comics have always been pretty subpar. Uh, I think probably most Star Trek comics have been pretty subpar overall. Um, so uh, again, going back to, you know, the, the fact that we get these, uh, review issues, um, we got the copy of the first one from IDW and it's, uh, the title of his, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Too Long a Sacrifice. And it's written by Scott and David Tipton, who I believe are either one of them or both of them are like Star Trek novelists. And uh, the art by Greg Scott, color by Felipe Sobriero, and uh, letters by Neil Uitake. And this is um, this is a story that takes place. In the in the later seasons of Deep Space Nine, when uh, when they got their new uniforms, the the black and gray with the colored collars, um, and this is a, um, it's a it's a it's a it's a mystery. It, it, it's very much focused on on Odo, who is the the chief of security. He's the constable, played by the uh, incomparable Rene Abagenois who I believe died last year, which is really sad. Um, he was great as Odo. Um, but there is a, uh, Oh, this is taking place during the, during the dominion war. So, so, uh, tensions are high on the station as you can imagine. And then there's a bombing in one of the restaurants in which, um, a couple of the characters, you know, barely, you know, barely make it out. And so that's the mystery. And it's a mystery that, you know, we're just introduced to in the first issue and that, that Odo is tasked with, um, you know, working on. And, um, it's, it's great on a couple of levels. First it's, it's a, it's written really well as a, as a mystery. It's got a little bit of noir to it as, you know, Odo as the, like the dogged investigator and, uh, and it's it's written as a really great Star Trek story. Like it, like it reads like the story and dialogue read as well as an episode um, would be. So I was very very much relieved when I read this book because it was it, it's like we're getting a lost episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which is, uh, which makes my heart happy. That's cool. Because um, again, if it was a a terrible version of you know a, a terrible story that came out of that from that franchise or from that from the D Space Nine family, I'd be really bummed. But uh, this is really good, and I think it's just a four issue series, so um, definitely going to keep keep reading it. Um, the, the art is really good too. It's it, and it's, it's one of those things. And I think we've talked about this a hundred times on the show where when artists, um, it's like a fine line between, um, getting a character or like an actor's likeness just right for, for a comic where, you know, they, 
they they want to draw it well enough so you recognize the character, but not so well that it doesn't look like it's a screenshot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, Greg Scott does a really good job of portraying the characters. Like he gets the features right, so you know they 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 look like the characters without it looking like looking like he traced it. So so yeah. So if you're a if you're a DS9 fan, then I would definitely recommend um, too long a sacrifice. You will not be disappointed. And if you are, let me know, and we'll talk about it. We'll talk you down. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll just mention this this one very briefly, but I um, went to um, because you you were talking about likenesses and stuff like that. I actually picked up an issue of the old Thundercats comic from uh, Star Comics. Oh, wow. I bought it at half, half price. Half price books. Interesting. I just I just saw that cover and I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta look at this. You know, I gotta... Um, it was by Mor- uh, Morgan. Just the... I don't know the first name. But I know he did a lot of, you know, the adaptations back in the, the day um, with Marvel. And it's just one I, I don't know why. I was just like, I need to look at an old Thundercats comic again. You know, like sometimes it's just weird. You know, you find inspiration in weird places. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes reading these old books gets me, you know, kind of um, jazzed to draw and stuff like that, too. So mm-hmm. I hear you. Sometimes that's all I wanted to say about that one. It seemed like a good place to throw it in there. <laughs> um, that being said, I I, I picked up this uh, this other book called Sacred Six, and I I don't know what I was thinking. I I think because I saw that Jay Lee did the cover, like he did one of the variant covers, and okay. I was like, you know, there's some some sexy women, you know, they look like they're about to fight, you know, maybe get into some trouble. You know, and it's like Sacred Six. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. That's a cool name. And I opened it up, and, like, the art is awesome. It's um, it's actually illustrated by Jay Lee and Gabrielle Ibera and, um, and written by Christopher Priest. And I'm like, this looks, you know, I'm just looking through at the, sh- at the comic shop, and I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to check it out. Well, then when I get home and I start reading, I realize it's actually um, – it's like a vehicle book for um, Dynamite's cat, like all, all their, um, you know, bad girl books. Um, oh. And, yeah, like Vampirilla, Draculina. They say, and they say them real small on the cover here. Panther, Nyx, Chastity, and Lilith. And then they're like, good, evil, repeat. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> Like literally, you you read a couple pages, and it's like, I guess it's like character intros, and then then they just come in with another character, and and it's one of those deals where you got you got to you got to appeal to new readers too. You can't just count on your base to know what's going. Up, you know, mm-hmm. this book does nothing for a new reader. Like this does not. This, there's no way in for me. Like I don't know who's who halfway through the book i'm like was that vampirilla i don't even know you know i feel like i should know who she is you know but there's nobody like with a red swimsuit you know what i mean like it's not even (laughs) like i don't even know what's going on you know so um i so i will not be buying the next issue i'll just say that (laughs) i mean the art the art was awesome but i just had no idea who was who was what what was going on and yeah. Well, if you don't mind watermarks, it is one of the preview books we get sent. So. Oh yeah. So maybe I'll just see if it tries to get you know keep cohesive at some point. But mm-hmm. I really felt like. Yeah. Save yourself a few bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Well, I might just save myself some time too. You know, just. Not <laughs> I mean, there you go. Bummer because the the cover's awesome. The art is awesome. And it looks like it's well written, but I have no idea. I feel like this is not written for anyone besides the people that already read their stuff. 
and that's you know that's that's a problem with a lot of comic books. You have to be mm-hmm. have to always assume you should always assume that someone new is going to read your book. Was that uh, was that a famous uh, editor? Was that like Jim Shooter's like yeah like. like Every issue is somebody's first issue. It's the old Marvel. It's the old Marvel edict. Like that's why they introed. That's why they always spent the first two pages introducing the X Men, every in every issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the new writers came in and said, "Well, people are smarter than that. They shouldn't be." You know, that's why we'll just have a black, you know, like that black uh, recap page, and we'll say what's going on, and then we can just keep writing our story, and we don't have to worry about stuff like that. And to me, I always felt like that was like, you know, the writers were like, we don't want to bother, you know, like recapping. And it's like, yeah, but you're missing out on the format, you know, like the form, you know, comic form. So you're, you're trying to write long form in chunks. And, you know, so which one is it? You know, you should write, you know, if you're going to write a, a monthly book, then, you know, write a monthly book. You know, just like, hey, this is where we picked up last time. You know, mm-hmm. like some TV shows last time on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, and then they Yep. You know, at least. But, yeah, that's kind of my rant about that. I have a rant to throw on top of that when you're done. Uh-oh. So I was, looking, I was looking in the folder, and I was like, oh, there's the Rob Liefeld Snake Eyes book. We'll look at the pre-review. Uh-oh. Uh, I open it up at 77 pages. The first 42 pages are variant covers. Okay. 42 variant what? covers. Clearly, clearly, you didn't listen to last week's episode when I, I, I ran it about right. it, too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's not awful, but... I'm like, 77 pages? This is a big book. No, no. It's 42 pages of the covers. Why are, mm-hmm. they, why are they in the front? Like, That's what Scott, in the front. I guess. But it's also like the door thing where you keep, it's like a nightmare where you keep opening doors. And <laughs> you never get yeah, it really was. <laughs> I mean, and, and some of them, I mean, yeah, I mean, that being said, I mean, yeah, definitely unnecessary. And to have to scroll through all those to get to the story, yeah. some of them were pretty were pretty good. And some were just like, okay, that's Snake Eyes, that's Storm Shadow, that's whatever. Oh, there's the same image with the tr- with the cover dressing, and there's the image without. Yeah, yeah, you you definitely get yeah, get a lot of that. Go to hell, IDW. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why that's why listeners need to hang in to the second half of our show. Yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's when we start. start. Yeah, yeah, we start letting it fly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, just so they keep sending us comics and we stay in their good graces, I actually have a good thing to say about IDW. Uh, specifically, uh, real quick, uh, uh, my last review would be for the final issue of a book called The Kill Lock, which I think I talked about earlier. Um, it's a six-issue series story and art by Livio Ramondelli and letters by Tom B. Long. And it's a set in the future, and the idea of the, st- the book is um, these four robots, four different robots. They like they each have their. It's almost like a caste system. Like one is called the artisan, one is the laborer, one is the kid, and one is the wraith. And the wraith is like a soldier. Um, each one of them was uh, sentenced and. Uh, to punishment and banished from their home world. And the four of them, um, their, their punishment is, is the kill lock in which their, their programming is linked. So death for one means death for all. So they're kind of stuck with each other. It's it's like that, like the old uh, movies where two convicts are, are handcuffed together, you know? Oh yeah. But in this case, um, the uh, they're linked together. I mean, they, they're not, you know, they can move freely, but if one of them dies, they all die. And they're, they've been working on trying to find, there, there's a um, rumor to be a cure or uh, where they can get the kill lock removed. And uh, so that's what they've been 
you know, working towards in the entire series. And this issue, you know, comes to an end and I, I won't really give you know, really talk about the ending because I feel like it's, I wouldn't be doing it justice. You really have to read the, the entire six issues because um, I was stunned at how well this was written and drawn in a way to make me care about four robots <laughs> that um, they, they really like how they, they emote with really with, without showing any emotion. Like they have no human features. I mean, I mean, they, they, they are, they're like humanoid, like they, like the arms, legs, head, whatever. Um, but they don't have traditional, a lot of them don't have traditional faces. Like there's no eyes or mouth or noses, like, but just the way they interact with each other and the personality that each one of them has due to the, the type of robot robot that they are um, again. And, and, and how those different uh, casts interact with each other um, really just amazing. Um, I, I, I know, I think I just read the first issue on a lark because it has a kind of a cool sounding name and, and the art looked pretty cool. It looks like it's kind of like this, like painter, like a painted style. Um, and after the first issue, I was like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta read more of this because this is just like nothing I'd ever read before. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it, I'm, um, happy and sad. I mean, it's, I'm sad to see it end because it's, it was a, it was a great story, but it, you know, I'm happy because it was a great story, you know, it was just, uh, and it was different. It was something that, you know, in, in this day and age, it's, you know, the, the old adage, like there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, that, that's, that goes double when it comes to comics. I mean, when, when you can find something that's truly unique, um, and really grabs you, like you should like, you know, Jared with, with canker, um, you know, you should really savor that. Uh, I, I thought the kill lock was an amazing series, so I would, uh, recommend it. And it's uh, six, six solid issues. That's all it is. So, um, we're a little, <clears throat> little over an hour. Does anyone have anything well, else? I'm actually wrapped up. I, I had, um, I'll just show you guys this real quick. Cause it was pretty cool, but I, um, half price books, they're open, you know, for browsing. And I got this Frank Cho poster book. Oh, neat. Nice. Um, it's got, it's got a whole bunch of his art, mostly from the Harley Quinn series. I got this for like $12. You know, it's like, you know, cause it's half price books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, ah, I can't say no to that. <laughs> so <laughs> I brought that home. Um, and I also brought this other book home that I haven't really gotten to yet, but uh, it's called How Comics Work by Dave Gibbons and and Tim Pilcher. Hmm. And it's like their how it's like their how to draw comics kind of. Oh, I didn't. It's wasn't aware <laughs> that he ever did that. I wasn't either. It's pretty awesome though. Um, just so you can okay. see the cover there. Nice. But, yeah, it's great cover. It's pretty awesome, you know. And I was like. Uh, Dave Gibbons did a, you know, <laughs> teaching me, teaching me how to do better comics. Okay. Yeah, you know? that's my arm. Yeah. So I grabbed that too. I think it was like five bucks. I'm like, all right, I'll take that. Nice. So yeah. Good day out, you know, masks on, browsing, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> As why well, a quick shout out. So that 50 year old soap opera I've been watching, um, He's now doing a storyline with a parallel universe or an, al- or an alternate universe. They call it a parallel. They found a room in the other. They, so they live in this giant mansion. They closed off the one wing of it. They find a room in the other wing that when they, they go, sometimes it's, uh, they open the doors and they see what they call parallel time. And it's another uh, reality where they see versions of themselves. And then the vampire, uh, Sometimes he'd open the door and it's just an, an empty room, and sometimes it's you know the other reality, but he can't walk in. So he walks into the inner room, then he turns around and he's in the other reality. 
So now the vampires in parallel time. Hmm. 1970, ABC was a soap opera. Oh, wow. Vampires, werewolves, uh, time travel, multiverses. Sounds sounds like Inspector Space Time on Community. (laughs) 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 To bring it all back around it. Yeah. Yeah. Inspector Space Time and Reggie. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not where are we, but when. Yeah. Okay, so um, anything else before we wrap up? No, that's all I got. That's it. All right. Well, <clears throat> oh man, I am losing my voice. Goodness. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Comic Book Pit. This has been episode 360. I'm Dan, and with me tonight we've got Scott. Good night, people. And Jared. See ya. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.